Did you know that before or after you started playing Wordle? How come no one's named Larry anymore? The only downside is that sapiosexuals will no longer be into us. Umbernickel, how great is that? When you're cooking a turkey, it's very important that you lambast it frequently. Kindergarten's from that German word, kindergarten. Yes, that's a different kind of flagellation, but... Well, I think if you do it too much, you go blind. How the hell am I going to remember that? Well, hello, world. This is Smart Dribble World coming to you right in your ears. Kurt Schneider here, your co-host of Smart Drivel, along with... John Ellenthal, your other co-host. Hello, Kurt. Hello, everybody. John, we're up to episode 104. That is more than the number of fingers and toes we have collectively, Kurt. So how are we able to count that high? Do you have an abacus? Do you know how to use an abacus? Sure. I know how to use it in pool. You know, they have it over like pool tables. It's I didn't know that. Like an well, it's not really an abacus. It's kind of like one. Okay. So do you know how to use an abacus? Yes. They have them over pool tables, but those aren't really abacus. They're just kind of like abacai. So I ask you again, do you know how to use an abacus, Kurt? Uh, sure. That means it's no. It's all about the different colored beads. The problem is when the abacus is not on base 10, when it's on base eight, that throws you off. Right. Fair enough. Kurt, I would like you to tell me and our listeners what we are going to spend this episode talking about. <laughs> well, this morning I started laughing because I thought of a word my friend Doug, who happens to be an avid listener, by the way. Hello, Doug. Uh, Thank you Doug, for listening. Doug was studying in France in college and he came back. And he said, do you know what the word for grapefruit is in French? And I said, no. And he said, it's pomplamoose. That's a what great a word. Fun word to say, pomplamoose, pomplamoose. So ever since then, I've been laughing and smiling every time I say the word pomplamoose. So I thought today, maybe we'll have a stream of consciousness, stream of conscious episode where I'll say a word that I like to say and explain why. And then you have to take the last letter of my word and come up with a word you like to say and say why. Okay. So that's good. But I need you to know how to spell pomplamoose in order. Well, I'm not using pomplamoose because it's a foreign word. Okay. I would like to start because when you were telling me about this pomplamoose word in French, it made me think of a word that is from French, but we have a version of it in the English language, and it is the word defenestrate. And defenestrate is a really fun word because it means basically to exit by the window, to exit via window. So are you familiar with this word, Kurt? I am, yes. I think it's like defenestro or something in France, but that sounds like some sort of you know ED medication or decongestant defenestra. All that being said, <laughs> defenestrate, to exit your building by window, which is a word you really don't need that much. I like the word. Maybe you, you need it in like uh, Hollywood movies of the 40s or 50s, like film noir, right? Aren't, isn't like the bad guy or the good guy defense? Defenestrated. Defense, defenestrating out the window. Well, that's, that's redundant to defenestrate out the window. So right. it is a form of egress that has been 
memorialized by a word in French and now in English, defenestrate. That ends in an E, Kurt. You're not going through the vomitorium, are you? Because uh, I think that's you walk through the vomitorium. Are we going to make up words? Is that going to be part of today's episode? No, the vomitorium is where we hit the word vomit. And it's from Latin. It's from the ancient Romans had the vomitorium. And it wasn't where they went to throw up. It was an egress Uh to and from the Colosseum, the arena, the amphitheaters that they had. Defenestrate ends in an E. What you got for me? Okay. (laughs) We'll say... (laughs) I can't wait to see where this goes. (laughs) I'm just the first thing that popped into my head. Elongate. Do you want to lie down and tell our listeners why that word was the first E word that popped into your head? You could have chosen a word. It suggests some dissatisfaction with the length of something. You could have chosen the word elephantize, and you would have given our listeners a very different impression. So tell us about Elongate, Kurt. I was going to say elephantitis, and I thought, no, because I remember that movie that came out in the 70s, and the elephant man, John, whatever his name is, the poor guy, right? It wasn't his fault. Anyway, Elongate, John, I'm going to, because you know what? Long is not enough. Let's make it even longer. Let's elongate. Let's stretch it out. And by the way, the word why I like it, it sounds like what it means. It's almost not onomatopoeic, but it does sound like it means elongate. Oh, I could have said effervescent. That was a very popular word in an earlier episode. Yes, it was. But, so I have to come up with an E word, which seems to be yeah. the thing here, because a lot of these words seem to end with an E. So we'll have to take that into account. John, do you know that E is the most popular letter in the alphabet for all words? Did you know that before or after you started playing Wordle? Oh, way before, way before. I will come up with an E-word that describes you, and that's why I'm choosing it, ebullient. Oh, yes. So would you describe yourself as ebullient? (laughs) Very much so. We could put you in a little square and put you in hot water and make broth. (laughs) That's a bouillon cube. That is a bouillon cube. So so ebullient, you tend to be overflowing with uh, energy and enthusiasm which is why it makes you my ideal podcast host, because you are ebullient. And the other thing about ebullient, not only is it descriptive of you, it doesn't end in an E. So we're going to be able to break into new territory here, Kurt, with a T. And by the way, before you choose, I just want you to know that pterodactyl starts with a P. Aha. And psychosis begins with a P. Okay. So does psychology, but pterodactyl, I think, is more out there. Yeah, yeah. And pneumonia starts with a P as well. Excellent. Tell us a T word. Why do they bother, by the way? Why do they bother having silent letters? Yeah. Why do they bother having silent movies? People still enjoy them. (laughs) 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 Silent letters in the middle, I get, because then you sort of have a choice. Like, you know, the people that say often, you're like, it's often. Oh, that's not cool. No. But so I think some people like to pronounce them and I'm, I'm okay with it in the middle, but in the beginning, it's kind of just a waste, right? Why are you putting a silent letter in the beginning? Anyway, how about this, John? Trepidatious. Okay. Tell us why. Well, because trepidatious, if you're a bouillant, usually you're not trepidatious. Right, usually, those are not usually, unless you're schizophrenic and you have an ebullient and a trepidatious part, personality. <laughs> trepidatious is you are um, leery, wary scary, nervous, anxious about doing something. I'm very trepidatious about this hike in the Grand Canyon because I only can go 
three miles an hour and we have to go 50 miles an hour. So I don't think I can make it. I'm very trepidatious, John, trepidatious. Well, I think in our last episode, you accused me of being somewhat trepidatious with my items that I chose for my big move to a new country. <laughs> you like you made move. regular fun of me. And I don't think I was Lip being trepidatious. Lip balm. I have some here right now. I'm going to put some lip balm on right now. I forgot your other ones. I think it was like Kleenex. Well, why don't wipes. you go back? It wasn't Kleenex. You were the one who wanted to bring adult diapers. So you I don't have to relive not. it here. You can go back and listen to the episode whenever you want, Kurt. So your word was trepidatious, which I just want to confirm ends in an S. Correct. Sibilance. Yes. All right. So there are a lot of great S words like, you know, sardonic, but I'm not going to go with sardonic. I'm going to go with salubrious because that's all about promoting health. And as we enter our the latter part of our mid 50s, we are much more health conscious than before and very hopeful of remaining salubrious. And I also chose it because not only does it promote health, but it also ends with an S. And since there are some fantastic S words, I'm giving you, my partner, a chance at an S word as well. Salubrious, Kurt. But what salubrious meaning of health? I think salubrious basically means to promote health. Is that where we got solarium from? I think that's more probably from the sun, Kurt. So where does salubrious come from? You would like to know the etymology of salubrious. No, it actually sounds like you're drunk, doesn't it? It sounds Greek to me. It's all Greek to me. Ooh, so salubrious, according to dictionary.com, favorable to or promoting health, healthful. It's from the Latin, which, you know, salud, salubris or salus, which means health. So yeah, okay. kind of like salud when you do it, when you, when you, what do you call when you clink glasses? You toast. People will yeah. say salud. So to your it's health. the same Latin, it's the same Latin root as salud. They say salud. Sometimes they're not saying salad, by the way. I had a salad for lunch. You know why? Because I was being salubrious. Yes, you were. But you didn't toast and say, I'm having a salad. And I do want to point out that by having a salad and so being salubrious, there's a little bit of sibilance in there. Yes. And <laughs> so for my S word, I'm actually going to take Two words, but they both begin with the S. All right. Sapiosexual. <laughs> okay. Does that involve monkeys? <laughs> no. It is a person. A person who is a sapiosexual is someone who is attracted to someone of high intelligence. It's what I hope for one day to try to be that someone would say, I'm a sapiosexual and I'm attracted to you. So that's, that's Sadly, really, it's never happened. That's a really cool word. I didn't know that word, but basically it's someone who finds intelligence to be, you know, sexually attractive in others. Yep. So if yep. you could not refer to me as sapiosexual, well, no, actually I am sapiosexual. I find intelligence, but just keep me out of it. But sapiosexual, actually, it's the reason why, if you look back, remember how many times people say, what is she doing with him, right? Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller, sapiosexual. You know what I'm saying? So that's good. That's good. Yeah, news. it's good for Arthur Miller. That was very I good guess it was for, good for Marilyn Monroe. Was was she married to Arthur Miller before or after she was married to Joe DiMaggio? After. Sapiosexual. Well, thank you. You you taught me a word that is a cool word. I'm going to try to use it. Sapiosexual. Two words, but that's okay. It's one word. Do you know I went to speech therapy for the letter L when I was a kid? How did you pronounce it? 
kind of, or almost a little bit like a W. And so I had to learn to put my tip of my tongue behind the top back of my upper teeth and say, Laura licked lollipops in the living room. So I had to go to speech therapy for my L's. Even now, sometimes I slip and I'll say, oh, I like that. I don't say that. <laughs> All right, L, baby, L. There are so many wonderful L words. Like Larry. How come no one's named Larry anymore? We should do an episode on all the names that we grew up with that, that people don't name their kids anymore. Larry, Sharon, Joyce, Kevin, Steve. <laughs> so we could do that, Dennis. Kurt. We could do that, Kurt. The problem Ralph, with that I Howard. <laughs> Frank. Well, I think that's a good idea. The only downside to that episode, Kurt, is that sapiosexuals will no longer be into us just in case they were for a brief shining moment. All right. I think sapiosexual is an L word. I will try to redeem myself with lanyap. Lanyard? Like that great lanyap. You know that word, lanyap? No. I think it's I think it's a Cajun word, and I don't know why it just it just popped into my head. But lanyap, it's basically a small gift with purchase to a customer. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a bonus, a gratuity, a tip. I think it's Cajun lanyap. I'm going to spell it for you, Kurt, because you seem Please. sort of stupefied right now. I am. You've never heard the word lanyap? No. It's like guardian. Uh, someone except is, it doesn't involve urine. Someone has landed in my lap before, but I've never heard of lanyap. I'm going to spell it for you. I've been to the island of Yap and I landed there, but I've never been to land Yap. Look, it's a bonus. It's a gift. It's a present. It's a gratuity. I think I've heard it like in New Orleans. I think it's a Cajun thing, but let me spell it for you. Yeah. L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E. The last E being really important. So it's an Americanism dating back to 1840, 1850 from Louisiana French. It means the addition. That which is added, lanyap. You taught me psychosexual or ecosexual or prime. What was your word? Sapiosexual. That's it. And I taught you lanyap. So you have an E now. By the way, you know the great poem, The Lanyard by Billy Collins, who was the poet laureate of the U.S. for a while? I loved making lanyards in camp. It was my favorite arts and crafts activity. Man, did I love that. Let's make lanyards. You know his poem, The Lanyard? I do, but he spells it different than lanyap. Right. But the lanyard, the end of the poem, he talks about how his mother gave him life and birthed him and gave everything for him. And he made her a plastic lanyard at camp and he considered it equal. <laughs> and I, kind of I gave her a lanyard. Yeah. And we were. I, that's, um, you know what? It's the thought that counts, Kurt. So I'm going to play my smart dribble trump card. And I'm going to go on the sound of the word, not the spelling of the word, and go with the P, because I've already done an E. And I, when you said lanyap, the word popped into my head that I just think is fun, and I would like to know where it came from. Pompous, perfunctory? <laughs> pumpernickel. How great oh, that's is that? that's a great word. That's ah. a great word. So not only is pumpernickel a fun word and an excellent choice by you, congratulations, but it's also delicious bread, dark yes. bread. And there was a hockey player in the National Hockey League back in the 80s. Named Pumpernickel? Kind of. His name was, he was a big scorer. He played for the Rangers for a while. Bernie Nichols. And they called him Bernie Pumpernickels. That was his nickname. Where does Pumpernickel come from? I don't know. You've got the internet. Why don't you use it? 
because uh, I don't do it. I don't not a big not a big user of the of that internet thing. But so here's the question: Who's the genius that came up with the marbled rye? Someone who just couldn't make a decision. <laughs> they were trepidatious and brilliant. But when someone was coming into their bakery, they were going to give a lanyap. Well, here's the question. Bread. Which of those adjectives does or nouns does the light part of marble rye represent and which part does the dark part represent? It's kind of like a yin and yang, good versus evil. A lot of times the bread does look a little yin and yang-esque. So, of course, pumpernickel, which absolutely delicious. It's this dark, dense German bread. It's from, you want, you want the origin? Alsace-Lorraine. Close, because at least it relates to Germany-ish. It's on the border. So it's a mid-18th century word. It's from the German word. Are you ready? Yeah. Pumpernickel. <laughs> Kindergarten's from that German word, kindergarten. <laughs> yes, it's a, yes. That's a fairly easy translation. Yes. So when was the last time you had a great sandwich on pumpernickel bread, Kurt? A week ago. Tell us about it. It was pumpernickel. With mustard. Ooh, I don't usually combine mustard on pumpernickel. Turkey, cheddar cheese. Did you say turkey? Turkey, cheddar cheese, and coleslaw. But I wanted like a lot of the wetness of the coleslaw, so it soaked right into the pumpernickel bread. Yeah, because I'm a little trepidatious about soggy, wet bread. I don't think I would have made that same move with the coleslaw. You know, pumpernickel's not good in French toast. I think it could be like the German-France rivalry over the years, but it doesn't work. Nor does rye bread work well with French toast, but challah bread and French toast, oh man. Look, I think challah is definitely the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to French bread. All right, I'm French gonna, so bread I, or I, French toast, you mean? You mean French toast? Yeah, French toast, not French bread. Thank you for that. The uh-huh. whole Alsace-Lorraine thing got me all confused. Straussburg, by the way, back and forth on the border of, is it German? Is it French? Is it German? Is it French? So people from Straussburg, you know, they're kind of schizophrenic. We were in Central Europe a few years ago, and our tour guide told us that his grandmother had lived in nine countries during her life and had never moved from her house. She was like this between Poland and the Czech Republic, and it just kept on changing. Hungary and Russia and exactly. all that, right? So that's, it's kind of like being on a cruise where you just sit in your spot and you see lots of different things. It's, you know, you live in one house and you become, I wonder what she packed her five things every time she changed countries. What about her passport? I imagine that changed quite a bit. So what was your word pumpernickel? By the way, I'd like to take a river cruise on the Bosphorus. Fun word to say, Bosphorus. I am going to go, I have an L. I'm going to go with the word lambast. Yes. Excellent. Because I think when you're cooking a turkey, it's very important that you lambast it frequently, right? Yes. You keep having to lambast Slam! That's how you get the turkey tender. You continue to lambast it. But you do it verbally. Damn turkey, good for nothing. Could never gobble, could you? (laughs) (laughs) Your goiter was less than a goiter. I've never yelled at a turkey. Have you ever yelled at a turkey? you got to lambast that little... Throw them into the goiter. (laughs) So... I picked lambast because of the need to do that to turkey frequently because you just had a turkey sandwich on pumpernickel. It all fits together, Kurt, in one beautiful tapestry, doesn't it? Yeah, but lambast is when you basically go after someone and you verbally accuse them of things, insult them, put them down, criticize them. You lambast. There is a verbal and there's a physical. Verbal is 
but we recommend verbal. If you have to lambast, we would prefer you not keep it physical, but it really is to reprimand or to scold, but it can also mean to beat or to whip severely. So it's basically to verbally or physically kick the crap out of somebody, which is why I think the turkey needs to be tenderized by lambasting it. So I was speaking to a guy that I worked with the other day, and I said to him, he needs to stop his self-flagellation. And he did oh. not know what flagellation was. Ooh. And I so was hoping I to get an F word so I could say flagellate. <laughs> yes, flagellation. And uh, many times, the reason why I just popped it in my head is they are lambasting themselves with like a cat of nine tails. And I always think of that scene in uh, the Da Vinci Code where the guy is self-flagellation. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Op- opus die. They would, you know, they'd basically be really mean to themselves physically as part of their religious observance. Sometimes they'd cut themselves and then they'd have a belt with like a thorn in it and they'd turn the belt so the thorn would go deeper into the cut. Right. But, but flagellation, doesn't it have a religious, I mean, in its origin, doesn't have a, have a religious quality or religious context to it? Well, I think if you do it too much, you go blind. Yes, that's a different kind of flagellation. But, <laughs> but I think it has to do with religious discipline, which is why in the Da Vinci Code, it was part of their whole religious thing. Whereas flagellation, um, obviously, there's a more general understanding of it, but I think the origin of it is religious-ishness. You know what I think the definition of paradox is, by the way, thinking about this? Um, Oil and vinegar dressing. Can I explain how I got there? (laughs) If you can, sure, Kurt. Tell us why you consider oil and vinegar to be the perfect example of a paradox. I'll tell you why. No, it would have even been better if I had had a word that ended in a P, but please continue anyway. Well, I was thinking about like the Opus die and, and the guys that self-flagellate and they turn. And one of the things they would do is they would put vinegar in their cuts too, which really stings and hurts. And I was thinking, huh, oil is actually the opposite. Oil in your cuts would feel good and smooth. Like when you get a massage, you get oil on you and that's good for you. Whereas vinegar stings. So you think these two things are so opposite, but when they come together in a dressing, they make beautiful music. So it's a seeming contradiction, but it's not the paradox that is the oil and vinegar salad dressing. So you went from (laughs) the wounds incurred during self-flagellation as part of someone's religious discipline and ways in which they can aggravate and soothe those wounds to the beautiful marriage that oil and vinegar can sometimes be when we eat salad. Yes. You ended in a salubrious place, at least, Kurt. Salud, baby. Salud. Salud. All right. So I'm going to give one more, then you're going to give one more, and then we're going to wrap this up. I forgot what you ended in, so I'm going to say the word. No, 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 no. I will remind you what. I ended it once I remember. What did I end in? So I think it was a oh, W. Lambast. I ended in lambast. Okay. Which is close to W. So I'm going to say. Well, let me, wait, let me pronounce it differently. Lambastu. <laughs> I'm going to say wallop because lambast makes me think of wallop. And wallop seems to be the physical definition of lambast. When you wallop someone, it's a hit wallop. <laughs> what if you walloped a scallop? what if you walloped a scallop so is that a rhyme or is that a an almost rhyme that's an almost rhyme it's there's a word for there's a word for almost rhymes it is assonance assonance who who are you calling an ass but i think the word assonance 
current is a sort of a rhyme that doesn't work. Do you know this word? Yes. You have taught it to me because you've said it on a previous podcast and I asked you then, and I think you told me that, but my memory is fleeting. Hence, no one is the sapiosexual to me. You know where I learned the word assonance from the movie Educating Rita, which was a very good movie back in the early 80s. Michael Caine was in it. And that was a time in movies when Michael Caine or Don and or Donald Sutherland were literally in every single movie released. Every, every movie. I thought you were going to say the vowel rhyme was a diphthong. Well, I think a diphthong, isn't that? It's like when two consonants come together to make a single A-U, sound. A-U, baby. A-U. E-I. A-U. Oh, yeah. What's that sexual thing again? Sapiosexual. How the hell am I going to remember that? Sapiosexual. I'm going to write it down in the hopes that I can remember. You don't have to worry about it, John. Let me ask you a question about this. If on a dating app, you put that you are a sapiosexual. It's going to hurt your response. I think most people would hear that word and think, wow, this guy has some sort of sexual deviance and that's not really my thing or it is my thing. I think most people don't know what it means and it sounds like something you don't want to have. All right. So wallop is what I said. You bring us home with the last word of the podcast, the episode. Well, I'm going to end with a P word, the first one that came to mind. And it's something that we do quite a bit here on Smart Dribble, and that is pontificate. I thought you were saying prattle. I like pontificate a lot. So, so connect pontificate to the Pope. Isn't he called <laughs> the pontiff? Yeah. So he's like the head every, pontificator. Every Sunday he gets up and does a sermon. And by the way, every Wednesday in front of 65,000 people in, in St. Peter's Square, he pontificates. The pontiff pontificates. It comes exactly from there. Though over the years, I think it's gotten diluted a bit, don't you think? Because now anyone holding court at a restaurant or at Jimmy's bar can pontificate and it doesn't have the same gravitas that the pontiff has when he is speaking. Yeah. Kurt, very good idea for an episode. Kurt and I will be back next week, if you'll have us, with another brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Thank you for listening. We hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye. Thank you, John. Goodbye. Goodbye.